Welcome to the Broadcasters Roundtable here on Flyers Radio 24-7. They're 10 games into the NHL season, and so far, so good. Pretty good start. Flyers are tied for first overall at this recording with a 7-2-1 record. With our latest Broadcasters Roundtable, Tim Saunders with Jim Jackson, Steve Coates, and Bill Meltzer. Guys, 7-2-1 is nothing to sneeze at, but I think the most encouraging thing is the fact that I think we all know they could be better. Yeah, I mean, Timmy, if you think about it, um, they're 7-2-1, and one, largely without their best all-around forward in Sean Couturier. Their prize goaltender had kind of an emotional meltdown. Their leading goal scorer from last year, and really was leading the team in scoring in goals this year, too, tied at least, has been scratched in, in a healthy scratch. And they've been outshot in 9-10 games and averaging getting outshot 10 shots a game. And they're 7-2-1. and one. So, yeah, there are warts, but they've overcome a lot to get to where they are. And it's all in this shortened season about gathering points, and they are doing a great job of that. Goaltending, uh, while the overall numbers are kind of mediocre, I think it's been clutch. They've gotten key saves at the right times from both the uh, uh, Ryan Elliott and, and Carter Hart, even though his numbers don't look good. He's had some games where he was very good for the club. And balance. There's, uh, what, six players, I believe, with eight points, eight points in ten games. That's a real good pace to have six players at that without Couturian being involved. So uh, there are positives. We keep kind of dwelling on the process, including the coaching staff's concerned with the process, with some of the moves they've made, and they've been trying to finagle the roster. But bottom line is 7-2-1 and one is 7-2-1 and one through through ten, and that's that's very good. Yeah, and we we can get into the you know the process a little bit more, but I, but I think in order to have the record they have and have the fifteen points and be averaging three and a half goals a game too, you know, it, it, with not a lot of shots. I mean, you know, you know you can't sustain that kind of shooting percentage, but the way that they're doing it, right? They're they're getting pucks to the net, they're getting bodies to the net. Um, they've worked some really nice give and go plays. They're getting deflections. I mean, these are these are all those you know all those little plays that you need to make in order to score goals. And, and they're playing from ahead, you know, most of the time too. Um, so, you know, uh, so there are some, there are some flaws that they certainly need to fix because to be sustainable, they're going to have to fix some of these areas, but, but on the flip side, you know, they're, they're not, they're not totally out of the blue you know, uh, with 15 points. Jimmy mentioned the goaltending and the other piece of it too has been clutch offense. And that, uh, that's how they got where they are. I think it's absolutely. Uh, first of all, did you know where you can buy those switches that you put on the bench so that all of a sudden when things are going badly, you turn the switch on and all of a sudden you go out and score a goal, win a hockey game? I think every team should have one of those because the Flyers <laughs> have it right now. And I go back and I'm going to feed off what you say, Bill. I understand that, you know, they've got their flaws in their own zone and they're being opportunistic uh, as far as being able to score and win hockey games. Do I like it? Uh, I like it to the fact that they've got a record that's going to that, that help them uh, in the, the, let's say, the long haul with 56 games and playing eight teams, I mean, eight games against everybody. That's going to be a help. But sooner or later, it's going to whack you right in the head if you continue to play like they are in their own zone. Just I don't know. And you, you got to be, and, you, and Brian Elliott's not going to play like this the rest of his life. And Carter Hart's going to play better. And Katuri's going to come back, and everybody's going to feel better about themselves. But the team as a whole, as a whole, getting continually outshot, that worries me. And I think it worries Alan Vigneault and his coaching staff. And you can't rely on five minutes of offense to win hockey games in this division. I don't know if I'm the only one that's bugged by this, but I thought there was one game, and maybe this goes to 
how I like to see the game played. But I thought there was one game where the Flyers came out and set the tempo physically and dictated their will to the opposition. It was the second Buffalo game. As effective as that was, they haven't really done it beyond that. Uh, do you have to be built that way to be able to play that way? I, th- well, I think you there's need- certainly some. Go ahead, Bill. I, I was going to say. I mean, I think you need to have some heaviness on your team. I, it, it, it is a team thing, you know. I mean, they're, they're just they're just an approach you have to take. But I think you know when you go up against a team like like the Islanders, you know, for example, they have guys like Brock Nelson and, and Anders Lee and the fourth line that they have, you know, with, with Martin and Clutterbuck on there. You're going to end up in some physical mismatches against those teams. It's hard to outmuscle some of those guys, um, and the Flyers are you know, the Flyers are not necessarily built to to play, you know, to play a very heavy game all the time because they they're a little smaller in, in certain positions. So I think I think some of it is matchups. But I, I agree with you because in that first Buffalo game, the Flyers got severely outhit in that game, and they wanted to correct that. And it, again, it, it's not just it's not just who were the biggest guys on the ice it's really just a it's an attitude and a way of playing um you know one of the things the most disturbing things in, in the boston the boston games particularly the second one was in a game you know, usually if you're going to get out hit by a large margin it's because you have the puck most of the night you know usually when they see things disparities like that it, it's you almost don't care just because it's you know you, you have most of the shots and dances that was a game where the Flyers got out hit by a huge margin. They almost never had the puck. Meaning every time somebody touched the puck, they got hit. And there was no response to that in that game. I mean, what Kevin Hayes said was, you know, we basically got slapped in the face tonight. And that was a good description because that's exactly what happened in that game. But I think Flyers need, need to be better at that. There's a difference between hitting the Buffalo Sabres and the New York Islanders <clears> and the Boston <throat> Bruins. They got one guy in Buffalo, Ritzelainen. Outside of that, you don't. This team's not geared for that. Outside of Robert Haig, uh, the fourth line couldn't do that. Raffle, Lawton, and Obey Cabell, if they put their minds to it. But you've got to be able to do it. And you've got to be able to be conscious and think, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go out and we're going to play physically. I think when you take a look at the Washington Capitals with a guy like Wilson running around, we don't have that ability. So you've got to find other ways. Do I agree that the fact that that was the best game they played by playing physically? Yeah. But are they geared to play like that every night? Not right now. But they can. I think you've got to put your mindset to it to have that fourth line. Look at New York Outers. Are they a heavy team? Yeah, they're a heavy team. But do they hit outside of Martin, Colorbuck, and, and Sezikis? No. They're All they're hitting is on that fourth line. And outside maybe guys like Mayfield and people like that, but they don't do a lot of hitting back on the blue line. So – it's isolated, and I think that that fourth line, if they're geared for it and they understand what their position in life is, they can do that for this hockey team. Jimmy Coates is right. They don't really have that guy, that Tom Wilson, Matt Martin type of guy. That's kind of what the whole Sam Moran uh, experiment right. is about, isn't it? It is, and there are several reports out there that the Flyers were heavily in on Matt Martin, who was a free agent. Um, but he really wanted to stay with the Islanders. They got him pretty cheaply, too, all over four years. But, uh, you know, and no surprise, they told Sam, watch Matt Martin a video to, to try to, to get better. So they're well aware of him. And we've, we've talked uh, in our Zooms with some of the coaches, and, and they'll come right out and tell you, yeah, that's something we, we like to have. They just don't have it unless Sam develops into that. And he is very much a work in progress. So uh, I don't know as if we can expect him to be there even this season. But, 
I, I do like Connor Bunneman, the way he plays, uh, along with Obeku Bell, though. I think Obeku Bell needs to get back to, to the physical play from last year. He's, he's had a couple games this year, and he was really good in the third period of the game, uh, uh, the second game uh, against the Islanders. But uh, I, I, I want him to get back to where he was last year. And then, I, Coach, yeah, I agree with you. I think that fourth line can do that and can supply that physical side. Uh, Raffle isn't a, a big physical guy, but he, he can handle himself along the wall and such. So that line can be kind of like that. You're not going to you know, expect the, uh, Claude Giroux to be throwing his body around on a nightly basis or, or some of the other guys, although I think Travis Konechny can be more physical. I, I think some of these guys, and I'm not saying going to barrel people over all the time, just be like the Islanders. Coach, you talk about their fourth line, but guys like Anders Lee and Brock Nelson, they aren't easy to play against either. They they kind of make physical contact. They're not going to bully you over, but they kind of get in there and they get on you and stuff. The Flyers certainly can play that game, and I think that's what the coaching staff's looking for. Maybe not that big Tom Wilson guy because they don't have it, but the other guys just to be a little bit more uh, sandpaperish to, to use the uh, a phrase and and I think that's where they're aiming for. I think I've seen signs of it in the last couple of games. Uh, a little bit of a response to the Islanders, perhaps. Be interesting though to see in their next two series of Boston, uh, as you say, Bill really punched him. I thought, and then Washington after that. So these next four games, they're they're going to have to see if they can answer that bell. Billy, the the word we've all used repeatedly report um, as it relates to Elaine Vigneault is accountability. We saw a good example of that this past week. Now, he is harping on them being better five-on-five. Five. He's talked about the structure, and I think he's viewing this team, even with the 7-2-1 and and record, he knows they can be better because he's got in the back of his mind how structurally good they were at the end of the regular season a year ago. Um, he provided some tough love for Travis Konechny this past week by sitting him. He wasn't the only one that was guilty of maybe not playing that 200-foot game that he's looking for, uh, but it was kind of a message to everybody on the team, wasn't it? No, absolutely. If, if, if you sit a guy who's your leading scorer a year ago, an all-star, you know, already has a hat-trick to his credit this season, you know, all those things. I mean, Konechny is a, is a dynamic player, as, as, you know, as uh, Vino himself described, one of the top three forwards on the team. If you sit him, everybody sits up and takes notice. Uh, I mean, truthfully, if Sean Couturier had, were not out, I think Kevin Hayes may have been the guy chosen to sit a game, but that wasn't practical to do with you know without Couturier, and you certainly needed a size in the lineup uh, in both games against the Islanders. So connecting was a guy who sat, but, but you know TK hasn't been the only culprit. No, you know now we can we can look at the flip side of that, and, and a guy who's gotten his share of criticism, you know, over the last year plus, even from AV at times, was James Van Riemsdyk. And JVR has played great so far in the season. And when JVR had a game where he didn't get a point, but was doing all the right things, was back-checking, you know, was providing support on the walls, winning battles, AV made a point in his postgame of pointing out how well JVR played that particular night, despite not getting a point. And that's also a message to the team. Yeah, the implication has been that it's the top six forwards that have been kind of slow. But I'll put JVR and Jake Voracek. I think they're both off to pretty good starts. I, 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 can I, I, I agree with that, but i got to go comment a little bit about connecting. I think that we got to put January 30th down. I don't know what you want to do next year, maybe a, a moment of silence or something like that for all the people that don't understand and say, how can you put connecting in the stands? I'm a big connecting fan, but this <laughs> is a hockey team, and you come to play. Your accountability says Alan Vigneault wants you to play. If you don't want to play, then 
we're going to put you in the stands. It could be like back in the day with the Springfield Indians when Eddie Shore, if you didn't play, you had to sell popcorn in the stands. <laughs> it's not quite that bad. How did it sell, Coatsy? Coatsy, did you get a lot of sales? What's that? Did you get a lot of sales? No. 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 I did. I just sat at the bottom. I actually sold soda. <laughs> Eddie Shore was a great player, but he owned Springfield, and he was known as a cheapskate. And not only did he demand that his players play a certain way, but he saved a dime anyway. That's he right. Could. I he, remember. He belongs in this roundtable, then. <laughs> actually, he does, doesn't he? I remember my best Eddie Shore story was uh, when he was literally, he had the ladder up, and he himself was changing the light bulbs above the rink. <laughs> and a couple of his players came and stole the damn ladder and left him hanging up there. <laughs> Turn the lights out of the locker room if we beat them in Springfield. And then all the players had to wear, use a lie seven stick. So can you imagine a guy that's five foot seven, five foot eight, using a lie seven stick? The blade be halfway up into the ceiling. <laughs> Wasn't he but the guy who also to get back to? Oh, yeah. We can get away from Eddie Shore. I got another one. But let's go ahead. Okay, <laughs> well, we'll get back to Eddie Shore. But Konechny, if you go back to the bubble, he was playing like this in the bubble. He didn't react last night. He was not there again. And uh, what's wrong? I don't know. But every player gets treated differently according to what they think he's going to respond or how he's going to respond. Do I think Connecting will respond? Yes. But I think that that is a shot over the bow. I loved it by Alan Vigneault. And for all the people said that's a silly move and all that, well, uh, shame on you for thinking it because he runs the hockey club and I thought it was a hell of a move. All right. I don't want to date this podcast, but the last handful of games, let's face it, They've been carried by the third and fourth lines and the goaltenders. They've been the saving grace. What does that tell you, Jimmy, about the future of this team or the prospects of this team? Well, it says, and we talked about this um, in our last uh, roundtable, the depth is there, right? And they needed to call upon that depth with, with Coots out and with some of the top-line players not uh, performing consistently. What I've noticed, and I think you were alluding to with your original question to Coatsy, is the veterans have stepped up. Uh, Jake Voracek's uh, been a force at times. Uh, Bo Giroux played with a lot of intensity. Uh, he, obviously, when, when you're looking at James Van Riemsdyk off to the best start of his career in terms of production, hey, he's tied for fifth in the league in scoring now. Uh, so the veterans getting the job done to some degree. I thought when A.V. made his choice of who to scratch, um, he did choose a younger player because it's a little bit easier to do that. You risk losing a veteran even more if you, you scratch a, a Kevin Hayes or a Jake Voracek or a Claude Giroux, not that those two deserve to be scratched, but if you do, uh, you're going to make even more waves, but you might make uh, so much, so many waves that it might cause some damage. So um, he's a really smart coach. I mean, you guys all, we've watched him now for a year plus up close and personal. I can't be more impressed with the fact that he, uh, he doesn't wait to see the losses before he makes moves to change. Uh, we, he's done this now several times, even last year, when the team was still winning games, making changes. He said, so many coaches, well, if we won, I'm going to stick with the same lineup. That's just not the way with A.V. He, he looks at the process, and if the process isn't to his liking, he's going to find changes to make. Um, I don't necessarily, I don't think any of us, I don't think, uh, you know, fans, media, even maybe even players agree with all of his moves, but he makes them, and, and uh, many of them do turn out to, to look pretty good in, in the long run. But to your original question, I think it shows to me the depth. You've got a Joel Farabee who can step up with a hat trick. Uh, uh, as I said earlier, I think six players with eight points, uh, minus the Selkie Trophy winning uh, top center on your team. 
Uh, you got to think if he was playing, there might be another guy up there with, with eight points. So uh, it, it's a deep lineup and it's come into play here. But having said that, they still haven't had that game where all four lines are going, all three D pairs are going, and the goaltender's going uh, for even close to 60 minutes. I'd say they've had a good period or two here or there, had a good first period uh, in the first game against the Islanders, um, a, a decent uh, second uh, period against the Islanders, but just not that game where I can say they carried the momentum over from one period to the next period and were really in control of the game. And that's what I think the coaching staff's looking for. Well, that's not going to be the last time that A.V. has to sit somebody and get the attention of the group. But, boy, did he have the perfect response to any pushback he got because he said, look, I came here to win a cup. And to win a cup, you got to play a certain way. And if you're not going to play a certain way, we gotta we got to change that. And how do you argue with that? You don't argue with it. I'll tell you what. Anytime a decision is made by a coach, understand that he's got to stand behind that bench and look at this. And it comes to a point where a coach says, I don't want to watch that anymore. I have to, I, all eyes are upon me. It's kind of like having too many men on the ice. Where does the television camera go all the time? Coach, right yeah. to the coach. Right to the coach. Because it's got to be his fault because we got too many men on the ice. Well, it's no different than your team. As soon as the team goes south, it's the coach. So that same coach has got to stand behind the bench and watch that player not live up to his expectations. And so that's why it's great what happened. Great for a coach, Billy, to demand accountability. But if you don't follow through, if you don't use the hammer, then how long is that going to be effective, that threat? Well, that's just it, right? You, you know, you address the locker room, you show video, and there's still not a response. And, and you, you know, if... If those are your only two tools in the in the toolbox, it loses its effect. I mean, you can't you can't be scratching guys every night either. That's a that, that's that's the the next step, and you know that's the next button you push after that. But uh, you know, but in order to do that again, I, I think if you do that with a prominent player at the right time, you know, if something if something's been going uncorrected, and it's not just on that player, it's on the team. It, it has it has an effect, I, and also too. You know, Av has, has hammered the point too, where you know he wants he wants to see a certain um, a, a certain work ethic of playing 200 feet. I, I asked him the other day about you know Oscar Lindblom because listen, Oscar's still feeling it. You know, Oscar's still feeling his way back to where he was. He's not there yet. Um, he looks a step behind at times. He's just he's just not to where he was. But you you can see how hard he's working to get there. And Av is willing to be patient with him. As a result, I think it's you know I think that that, that the two things you know it depends on the player, it depends on on the team, you know, and and where where they are. But uh, but I think that sometimes patience is in order, and sometimes you have to make you know to make a, a corrective step. And I think Av, for the most part, in his ten years Flyers coach in previous previous stops too has shown a good sense of when's the right time to do what same thing hey, Timmy, so I want to also point about... out about AV the the his ability to make changes within games and again if any if Travis Konechny was shocked and, and we were all shocked when it came out that he was going to be scratched in, in the game against the Islanders all he had to really do is look back to the Devils game because in the third period of a tight game he plays the fourth line a lot because he liked the way they were playing. I mean, that was in a, and we had several shots of the bench. You could see Kevin Hayes. You could see they weren't happy. Uh, he was sending a message there while a game was going on. 
Uh, so, you know, it's not as though these guys, this should come as a complete shock. This has been building where they haven't been playing the, the way they should, as Coatsy said. And, you know, he's trying to get them there. And he's kind of, he's on the whip early here as the jockey. But, but uh, you know, he, he also understands, I think he's dying to come out to one of these post-game Zooms and say, now that's, that's like it. He wants to be positive because if you're always negative, you run the risk of, of losing the team eventually too. But the, the players have got to give them that that uh, availability. I mean, so far they haven't done that and for a 60-minute effort. And again, they're 7-2-1. and one. Billy <laughs> talked about, uh, Coatsy, Billy talked about uh, Oscar Lundblom, and it's a work in progress, and uh, the patience is absolutely deserved there. Uh, the same could be said a little bit about Nolan Patrick too. And I said in our broadcast the other night when he got hit, uh, head long into the boards. The day will come where we don't hold our breath when Nolan Patrick is hit that way. For me, that day's not here yet. I was really happy to see him get up and okay. It's interesting when you think about Nolan Patrick and, and Oscar Lindblom and Sam Moran. You have to put him into that. Obviously, it's a little bit of a different situation, but none of them had played for an awful long time. So now you've got them in the lineup and not playing and him being thrown into being playing in the National Hockey League again, it's hard. I mean, it's hard because it, there's so many different things, so many moving parts. And you can see that that Oscar's not where he was prior to to his, uh, his sickness. And then Nolan Patrick still finding his way as far as playing the game. And just like you said, last night he goes in, looks like he gets – and he put himself into that position, by the way. And that's something he's going to have to learn. He's got to stop putting himself in a position along the walls, especially for guys had a couple of concussions and had to sit out a year because of a, a migraine problem. But to come back into the game and and have the rhythm and the understanding and the and seeing the ice and all those things, all three players are going through the same thing on the same hockey club, and it's it's as tough as it's going to be. Just think about how good they're going to be down the stretch as they develop to back to where they were. You know when Cozy said that about. It's tough not to have played a game in a while and come back and be effective immediately. The first guy I thought of was Moose because Brian Elliott hasn't been called on a lot. He's made three starts, and he's been outstanding in all three of them. He has, and what I like about Elliott, and this was told to us when the Flyers first got him, uh, you know, he's a battler. You know, he's, he's uh, you know, there's going to be some pucks that get by him, but he battles. Boy, we, we see that. There are, are games – uh, all of his games this year where he, he's battled and seems like, as I mentioned earlier, to, to come up with those clutch saves. Um, and uh, Carter Hart has that same knack. Uh, and that's a great knack for your goalies to have. So, uh, again, the numbers, they're, they're fair to Midland in terms of save percentage uh, in the league. And uh, they've given up quite a few goals. Of course, they've seen a lot of pucks and seen a lot of chances against. Uh, but I still would say through the first 10 games that goaltending has been a plus, not a negative for this team, despite I, I really think Carter Hart's uh, emotional outburst brought a lot more attention on him than he really deserved for the problems of the team. That particular game, he did allow a couple of goals that he doesn't usually allow. But really, the team in front of the two goalies is, is allowed so many shots right up at the top of the league and quality shots in many cases. Uh, goaltending has not been a problem for this team. I don't think, even though he had that meltdown. But once he does that, of course, everyone's focused on Carter and his big bounce back game. Were any of you guys surprised he was going to buy? I mean, of course he bounced back. That's the way Carter is. And I have no doubts about either Hart or, or Elliott moving forward. I think that's a strength for this club. 
I thought and, they made Eddie, up. Shore, Eddie Shore would have charged him for that stick. <laughs> he would have. You're right Eddie about Shore. that. Hey, you know, we have a, a, a sponsor on the podcast for the first really? time. Uh, it is a PA Lottery, and they want us to signify a win of the month. So it goes back to the conversation we were having. How many? How close have they gotten to a 60-minute effort? Again, I thought the second Buffalo win, that 3 nothing win, was pretty close. Um, I'll nominate for a win of the month. The last game of the month, the 4-3 overtime win over the New York Islanders, just because I think it sets the table for what hopefully has them headed in the right direction. Anybody disagree with that? No, I, I, I came out of that game, Timmy, thinking it was the kind of playoff hockey and that it was physical and it got nasty and um, that they, they stood up to the Islanders to some degree, which, of course, they had some difficulty with in the playoff series, although, again, it took them overtime to beat them. But I would probably go with that. I guess you could also go with the one game they did outshoot an opponent in the first 10. Uh, that one was pretty good, too. But uh, just in terms of the opponent quality, the way the game was played, I, I would go with the 10th the game as, as the one as well. I'm not going to disagree with you because you're my partner, so you're in charge of that. <laughs> I got to go. When did you start dis- not disagreeing with your partner? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, a few, I was once I, there. I know you disagree <laughs> with your partner once in a while. I got to go. And I got to go play the lottery. I got a long way to go because I live in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could play the Pennsylvania lottery. Uh, online for cash prizes. Sign up today at Lottery.com and get a $500 first-time deposit bonus. Players must be 18 years of age or older, so go so you're safe. Please play responsibly. Benefits older Pennsylvanians. Um, I think they're talking about you every day. Excuse me. I don't live there. I told you. <laughs> I, I, I forgot. All right, moving ahead. Um, I was going to ask you guys, and I didn't really warn you about this, so maybe this is unfair. Who has been your most pleasant surprise 10 games into the season? The guy I'm thinking of might not be high on a lot of people's list, but uh, once he got over the COVID, I think uh, Shane Gostaspier looks like that could be a promising top pair. Yeah, that, that, that duo, you know, in that 2017-18 season, the second half of the season, they were really, really good together. Um, you know, unfortunately, Shane has had a lot of issues since then with injuries and just the, you know, consistency of his play. Um, but, uh, you know, he had a really good camp before, before the COVID. And, and coming back, he's, you know, he's put out a couple of really, really solid games. I mean, I, I think he made that, that outstanding defensive play that started uh, started the sequence where, where Lawton scored the overtime goal in the first game against the Islanders. He's, uh, he, he's moving around better. You know, I mean, not you know, not not flawless, and he you know he's going to have some matchups that are tough for him, but that's provided some of the stability that the you know the Flyers needed. Uh, getting obviously getting getting Phil Myers back in the lineup too has been you know that was really big this weekend with all the minutes that he played, and then you know figuring out figuring out what third pairing will work for you. And I I don't I don't know if Shane is going to be you know permanently back on the top pairing or if that will be moved around again at some point. But so far, so good with him um yeah I, I think he would be he'd be my surprise choice too I, my, my overall choice would though would be Davey R because he was uh you know, he was scratched several times in the playoffs last year really didn't have much of a season last year you know like any consist any consistency to it and he's just been he's just been outstanding game after game so it's not not a total shock but it's, it's a pleasant surprise he's playing he's playing a notch above where I was hoping he would play so so you know I would pick I'd pick him I'm going to take 
I'm going to agree with you on Van Riemsdyk. I'm going to agree with Goss's bear, but I'm going to throw one on top because you've already described those two that have been very, very uh, good this year. Connor Bunneman. I mean, not only will we put him on a fourth line and throw him in a position, but he's playing center. He's been outstanding on faceoffs. Very noticeable. He's big. He's a big body up there. And I think that uh, he doesn't look out of place. And as a result, I, I got to put his name into that, that, that circle. Give me a guy, buddy. Uh, yeah, they're all worthy. Uh, in fact, as Timmy was talking about Ghost, I was thinking about JVR. And as Bill was talking about JVR, I was thinking about Bunneman. So Coatsy took Bunneman. So I, I, I'll basically just say, and I, I, surprise might, might not be the, ro- the right word, Timmy, but I'm going to go Brian Elliott. He's just been so good in the games he's played. And with Carter having some uneven moments uh, through these first 10, uh, I think it's really been huge that he can step in there and, and perform as well as he has. But I'm not necessarily surprised, but I, I've been very impressed by it. I'm not necessarily surprised by uh, JVR either, but given what Bill said, he was a scratch. If we just think back to, to the summer and, and the bubble, uh, and now he's their leading scorer. So, uh, I, and Bunneman really looks like a guy who's skating has gone from average to, to really good, and he, and he gives you the same exact thing every shift, which is something this team needs more of, So, and, and Ghost, of course. So I, I think all are worthy choices, and it's good that we have that many players to decide upon because that means that some guys are playing well. Well, it's uh, kind of a weird position to be in, complaining about a 7-2-1 start. Nobody's really complaining, but I think the encouraging thing is that uh, the Flyers think that they can be better overall, and hopefully they're uh, headed in that dire- right direction. With our latest broadcasters roundtable, for Jim Jackson, Steve Coates, Bill Meltzer, I'm Tim Saunders. Enjoy the games. The preceding program is an original production of the Flyers Broadcast Network. You can find this and other programs available on demand at flyersbroadcastnetwork.com.